Hello to all of our wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous patrons. It's time for the February patron special, and this month we're going to do something a little different. We are going than the first one we than did. The first so one technically, we did. we're always going to do something different. Not always. When we do like twelve of these, we might actually do the same thing again. You never know. Huh? Uh, this week we're going to uh, start. Uh, hopefully, we're going to start a, a, a long list of these. I, I would actually like to do quite a number of these, kind of uh, examinations of different characters throughout Star Trek. Um, but this week, we are actually going to talk about Loaxana Troy. Your favorite and mine. Yes. Uh, because, frankly, I think that she needs to be looked at. You know, we've always had kind she of She likes a, being looked at. She does like being looked at. <laughs> we've always had kind of, and I think Star Trek fans in general have always kind of had a, you know, standard reaction to Loaxana Troy, which is that she's horrible. And... You know, we watched a few different episodes uh, for, you know, in preparation for doing this episode. And, you know, I have to say, well, number one, let's say which episode we watched. So I watched Haven, Dark Page, and Half a Life. All right. I also watched Haven and Half a Life, but I also watched Cost of Living and Menage a Troy. Yes. So between the two of us, I think we covered all of the on a Troy episode. No, we didn't find watch the Space Hornies episode. Oh, that was Manhunt, right? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't watch I don't that think one. we could do that one. I, yeah, just, but, let's just ignore let's ignore that. Well, you know, I, I, I will talk about the on a Troy's health because I think it needs to be talked about. Her health? I think part of I don't know necessarily that Loaxana is completely the most well woman through this series now she's not sickly she's not that old but she does go through a couple of physical conditions she goes through certainly stress and exhaustion through several of it yeah um she most has, notably in dark page she has that you know she gets that illness that makes her telepathy go crazy in deep space nine um i think she's start you know she's at the point where she's still you know she's still young and very you know vibrant and all of that but i think she's starting to get her first you know, being sick that she doesn't immediately, you know, bounce back off of or that, you know, takes her out a little bit. And I think that kind of informs certain decisions or motivations throughout her character. In other words, I think a lot of, you know, in um, Cost of Living, for example, it's all based on her. She has this arranged marriage to this, you know, guy who's very conservative. You know, it's something that, you know, really doesn't make sense in that at the end, you know, she realizes in the thing. But I think... You know, it is the kind of stupid decision that someone might make after a health scare, for example. I suppose. I mean, I think that it's an interesting read on the character. And I, I do think that in general, Loaxana Troy probably doesn't get the, the respect yeah. that she deserves. You know, I think that the character is problematic, but I think that it has less to do with the character and more to do with the episodes that she's in. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, she's doing a lot. I, I watched the episodes with the notion that she's doing all of this very – she's doing a lot of this deliberately. Yes. Like when she's being annoying, she knows damn well she's being annoying and she needs to get – she wants to get a certain reaction to people. I mean she's a very good actress in – you know, the character is yes. in a way. Um, well, I think that it's – I think it's interesting that you kind of bring her health up because I think that's something that's dealt with very explicitly in Half a Life. Yeah. And of course that's the episode the, – the thir- what is it? The fourth season of, of TNG yes. where the ambassador comes on board and she – she fall, they, they kind of like have this romance. I don't know if they fall in love, but they definitely have sort of a connection. Yeah, it's implied and that it's the kind of thing that maybe it would have blossomed into love if they had had. If he had not had to go off yeah. and commit ritual suicide, which is the, the kind of the meat of the episode. And there's a there's a very, I think, touching and moving scene where she's talking about getting older. She's talking about, yeah. you know, you're 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 going off and you have to be taken care of by your by your children. 
And, you know, I think that in a very real way, this is a character that is older. I mean, I think she's probably supposed to be in her 60s. I would assume that Betazoids age about the same yeah. as humans. It seems like they do. You know, she calls herself middle-aged. Now, even if she is thinking of herself as a little younger, than, you know, than she but is. Also, she's, you know, we, we, it's probably not, especially given the age of, you know, humans at this point and the healthcare well, yeah. that we have. She's got another 40 or 50 years, probably. Absolutely. I mean, we saw, uh, you know, Dr. McCoy in the first episode of, of TNG encounter at Farpoint. He was supposed to yeah. be, you know, 120 or something. And of course, he was elderly, very elderly, but he was still kicking around. So if you look at it that way and you say, okay, here's a character that still has, you know, 30 or 40 years of life left in her, of course, it makes sense that she would have this very strong reaction to this idea of this ritual suicide. Yeah. But I think she's also horrified by it because she doesn't think that. It's it's fair for someone who's a little bit older to have to do this. And I think yeah. that, you know, if you look at it and say, yeah, she's starting to have a little bit of a health crisis every once in a while. At the same time, it's nothing that's not resolved. Yes. Yeah. So, no, she, yeah. And that's I don't want to, you know, imply that she's, you know, sickly or anything you know, right. or that, you know, it's just more she's now finally she's at the point in her life where, you know, she she has a very obvious, you know, it, it, it's gonna at some point she's gonna get sick, you know. What yeah, I mean? like you well, know. And I, you know, I think to a very real degree, a lot of people don't like Loaxana Troy because she doesn't fit in neatly to our cultural and social con- yeah. conceptions of what an old person should be, or, yeah. or, or you know, not even an old person. I mean, I don't think she's that old, but I just think that well, you know a, she doesn't slot into our ideas of what they should be like, which is sort of deferential, quiet. Uh, so I, I would say specifically what an uh, what a middle aged woman should be like. You know, well, that's she true. Is, yeah, you know, I, I I actually in this watch find her very now. There is a degree to which Luoxana and Diana represent second and third wave third wave feminism in some ways. Um, you might need to explain that. So, uh, so anyway, first wave feminism is essentially the vote, right. and you know, once you know, so we're talking early parts of the twentieth century. Um, in a lot of cases, what you know, in England, in America, in a lot when. You know, women got the vote. A lot of the suffragettes kind of figured, okay, work is done. You know, there were some, you know, who said, well, we need to get into the professions. Right. You know, we need to, but for the most part, the focus was the vote. Second wave feminism, so that's talking, you know, post uh, feminine mystique, so post 1950s, so 60s, full flower, and the 70s. Um, that's, well, you know, women should be in the workplace. You know, women should be executives. You know, we can't, you know, and, you know, there is the, there was a concept known as having it all, which was, you know, you have the job and the family and the housing, you know, and which you're is doing now all- known as leaning in. By the way. <laughs> really? It has not gone away. Really? I you mean, haven't heard about this? No. There's a very famous book written by, I forget the, I forget the woman's name, but, but she was an executive at some large corporation. Okay. She wrote this book called Leaning In, which basically essentially meant that uh, you should lean into everything. You know, you yeah. should lean into your job. You should lean into, you know, and it's just, you know, it's, it's this idea that, you know, I think it's it's a wrong idea. I think that 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 women can have it all, but I think it's a wrong idea that men can have it all too. I, yeah. you know, I don't, well, th- I, I don't think that you can be like a CEO of a company and also be like incredibly engaged with your family and and all you know in your community. That you know, there was, are, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. That is kind of one of the themes of you know of next generation in particular. You know, generations was definitely dealing with Picard's inability to have it all in a way and the fact that he had to make you know sacrifices but frankly one of the reasons i mean to go off topic completely i liked 30 rock for that reason because you know if definitely dealt with the tina fey characters you know 
inability to have it all in some ways, but it also dealt with Alec Baldwin's, you know, take on that as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it makes it very clear that, you know, he has not, you know, been able to have, you know, a family, you know, and in the same way that he might have liked because he's focused on career. And, and of course, 30 Rock also deals a lot with the fact that Alec Baldwin is, you know, what, 10 or 15 years older than, than Liz Lemon is supposed yes. to be. And they're both kind of in similar places in their life in a certain sense. But, you know, of course, she's younger than him. He's still able to be virile and, and sexually yeah. attractive at an age when she probably is not going to be considered. Yeah, exactly. And But I think, you know, to bring it back around to, to, to TNG, yeah. I I think that you can kind of compare and contrast the ways in which the shows the show views the sexuality of Lawaxana and the show views the sexuality yeah. of someone like Picard, for example. Because mm. I think that yes, of course, Lawaxana is supposed to be older than Picard, but I don't think she's supposed to be that much older than No. Him. I've always read Picard as a man in his like, you know, mid you know, early to mid fifties. They're roughly peers, yeah. And so and that's also has something to do with the fact that Lawaxana Troy you know, because the thing is Lawaxana Troy also, you know, she could be a caricature going after younger men. She never is you know the no. men that she's going after are always roughly her contemporaries yeah so but i think if you look at the ways in which the show treats loaxana troy's sexuality and her sexual desires as as a a, a a foil for comedy whereas picard wanting to get his dick wet is never seen as a foil for comedy i mean think back to something like captain's holiday where he went after vosh who was you know i mean she might be 30 years younger than him. yeah you know and so it, it it's it's something that I think is problematic. I don't know that the show ever really engages with it on a but real But, you know, level. in some ways, I would say the way that, at least in the episodes that I watched, it deals with, like, certainly Manhunt was a little, was much more embarrassing about it. But, um, you know, in Menage a Troy, for example, you know, the way, you know, she's, flir- you know, when, when she flirts with Picard, I mean, we talked about this the way that, you know, she kind of flirts with Odo. She knows it ruffles him, and she thinks it's hilarious when Picard gets ruffled. And yeah. she knows that, you know, she's doing it out of teasing him. So, like, in a way, it's – she's using she, – she uses her sexuality for her own amusement in a lot of ways. You know, she's – Which I think is – you know, it's uh, yeah, it's but that fear, could also that is be if it was fair. a man in that position. I think you could really argue that it's a little, you know, sexual, sexually it's, harassing. But her then is I, a li- yeah, of course, you know, and maybe she does take it a little too frivolously, you know. But um, yeah. and I, you know, I mean, I, you know, of course, I think in the real world there are still power dynamics at play that that you know mean that that women, you know, certainly women can sexually harass men or other of women, course. but it's it's not as it's not as wrapped up in patriarchy as a man sexually harassing a woman. Yeah. Now, of course, you read this as the 24th century. Men and women are equal. You've got men walking around in miniskirts. Um, certainly, it's, you know. But but you can't you can't divorce TNG from its its time and our cultural, no, you know, landscape as well. Uh, it is a product of its time. Yeah. It's, you know, it's... Well, I think that that you know to to kind of go back to the idea of of the character and how she develops is that you know one of the things that I kind of was struck by in watching like a few Lawaxana Troy episodes over a short period of time from very different seasons of the show is that you know because I watched you know at first I watched Haven from the first season then I watched Dark Page from the seventh season then I watched Half a Life from the fourth season so I pretty much got like a full range yeah. of what, where the, what the show was at different points. And w- what it really came down to is Loaxana Troy was really bad in episodes that were bad and yeah. in seasons that were bad. But when the show was at its best, when the show was at its peak, arguably in the third to fifth seasons, you know, okay, yeah, you get cost of living in there, but there's always going to be a few clunkers yeah. that 
you know, the character of Loax on a Troy in Haven is embarrassing, partially because the show doesn't know what it's doing. And when the show knows what it's doing, it handles the character much better in the same way that it handled a lot of the characters much better. Well, I would say, you know, it's very interesting because there is a bunch of subtext that goes that makes her reaction make a lot more sense. I mean, for example, in Menage Troy, she's horrified at the thought of the Ferengi, you know, and she, there is a scene at the beginning when, you know, he, you know, pro, pro, you know basically he wants to, you know, use her psychic powers to do trades, you know, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, he's professing, you know, love to her and all of that. And she, you know, she, you know, completely dresses him down loudly in front of everybody. Uh, you know, this is when, you know, I'm the holder of the sacred chalice of rake, you know, I'm the daughter of the fifth house, you know, and all of that. But in a way, Luoxana comes off as fairly feminist, knowing that, knowing what we know about Ferengi society. Yeah. You know, I don't really get the sense that Beta Zed had a really difficult time when it was time, if it even needed one, for its sexual and feminist revolutions. Like, I think it was, you know, the marriage ceremonies are performed naked, you know, it's a very free love society. In Haven, there's that scene, We no, no, in, yeah, in... In Haven, there's that bit when, you know, she's talking with, you know, Deanna's talking with Riker and Wyatt, and, yeah. you know, Deanna thinks it's almost funny that they're jealous of, you know, and Wyatt, who was, you know, raised partially, you know, on Beta Z, you know, is fine with that when, you know, Riker's the one who has a little bit of a problem. Like, these things aren't things, and so, of course, it's going to come as very insulting and horrifying f- to for... Luoxana to deal with the prop the proposition of being a Ferengi wife. Yeah, yeah. Because that's goes against everything that she thinks that you know. Luoxana is very proud, very independent, very you know in her way. Well, I mean, she has trouble. She falters a lot from that, and I think it makes it clear that maybe it's you know a little more because she is a woman. She is older. I don't know, but being alone for Luoxana is difficult and she oh, has yeah I mean you know we could we could talk you know for 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 hours about uh, half a life and 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 sort of the the yeah. the loneliness of being an older person but you know and and I think that what I what I come away with this is that in in a very real sense you know I think the uncomfortableness that a lot of people have surrounding Luoxana Troy and certainly I'm not saying that she isn't a problematic character yeah. sometimes I mean I think that if you look at Haven or you look at Manhunt you know the the show was writing her in a way that was frankly a caricature but but it, it was able to course correct but i think that you know in the later in the later episodes where loxana troy really does come into her own and she is a character that you know is is well formed um that it it does have a lot to do with the fact that she is a strong you know capable woman that is not apologizing for being a woman and she's you know, she's she's acting exactly as a man would in all of these situations, or at least a certain yeah. type of man, and she's not apologizing for it. You know, now I'm not saying that Loex on a Troy is some sort of feminist symbol, but at the no, same time, I think that she is, in a I way. I mean, I would say, again, Haven was one of those, I hated it when I first watched it. Watching it, I had the... Th- it, so Haven centers around, you know, Deanna Troy has this arranged marriage that was made, you know... Yeah. Decades ago when she was a baby between her father and this friend and it was this, you know, and suddenly they're coming and they're having, you know, they're demanding the marriage to happen. Loxana Troy does not want this to happen, maybe for some selfish reasons of herself that she doesn't really like this family, you know, 
she also knows that this isn't necessarily what De- what might be the best for Deanna. And yeah. she's very pissed off. And so I think a lot of the – she's acting like a gadfly in this because this is – I th- she's making some very specific points about Beta Z tradition in this episode um, she, because she talks about how she views the arranged marriage tradition as outdated. Yeah. Of course, Loxana wants, you know, thinks marriage should be for love and have passion and, you know, it should be a, you know, bonding. And the people who are making this arrangement aren't even Betazoid. They're human. You know, they, they lived on Beta Z. They, you know, certainly participated in its culture. But, you know, they're... they're there is a degree to which them forcing this arranged marriage is a little bit of cultural appropriation that's pissing Loxana off. Yeah. There is the one scene when they are at dinner and she's doing that business with the gong where, you know, every time she takes a bite, you know, Mr. Holm hits the gong and she's talking about, you know, she's insisting that the wedding be naked. And she is being a very big stickler for Betazoid tradition in a way that's pissing the other couple off. I think her statement is very clearly, well, for whatever reason, you're holding this tradition, but you're hating this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you are picking the wrong fucking thing right. to hold on to, and you're well, insulting the rest of this. Well, and that's something that I was going to say, is that I think that, that Loaxana is a character that knows the the power of yeah. tradition and knows the power of, of sort of cultural weight and is able to is able to navigate that in a really interesting way and is able to use that to her own advantage. Yeah. You know, they have this really interesting exchange in half a life where, you know, and that's an episode that is all about, you know, Mm. cultural expectation. Yeah. I mean, this man is supposed to go off and, and and commit ritual suicide at the age of 60, even though he's vibrant and still has a lot of life ahead of him. And even frankly, I mean, he's the scientist that is the best hope for them, you know, keeping their planet alive because they have this whole thing about um, um, trying to make a new sun or something like that. But, you know, and she's arguing with him. And I like the fact that the show, you know, I don't think it could have been another character. I don't think it could have been one of our Starfleet characters in that episode because she's basically saying, look, this is stupid. I think this is stupid. And in a certain sense, it's it's being a little disrespectful to his culture. But I don't think she sees it that way. I just think that Loaxana Troy, I think what you see throughout the entire run of her character in the show is that this is a person who doesn't have any patience for cultural you know cultural expectations divorced from how it makes the actual people that are being affected yeah. by it feel well for, for and the walks on is one of those people for her freedom for her is the most important thing i would say um well even you know even to you know not to cut you off but, but just where you know where i was going with that was there was this very interesting you know exchange where she talks about this old betazoid tradition oh yeah where the women used to wear these elaborate wigs with with caged animals in the center of them and and then you know certainly at some point a woman was like I'm not going to do this anymore and but but what I really find interesting about that scene is how how like stridently offended by the tradition Loaxana is and you can tell that and she's probably never done this I mean the the implication that this was happening you know oh yeah decades or centuries ago but 
she she's talking about how it was uncomfortable for the women and cruel to the animals and yeah. she, you know and this is something that probably hasn't happened for you know like i said for for decades or no centuries. it's like when we read about you know something that happened in victorian times you know their fashions like or even longer you go yeah. you know like the whole you know talk about how you know women in in you know sort of uh, uh 16th and century, 17th century france you know were basically like poisoning themselves with makeup and you know having to yeah. wear like corsets and all you know all kinds of uncomfortable things so she she's someone who who feels that very very strongly yeah no she she thinks that cultural traditions for their own sake you know without really ma- you know you know cost of living is a dumb episode it's dumb because alexander is dumb it's dumb because <laughs> You know, poor what, Alexander. Are we going to do one of these on Alexander? Oh God, it'll just be a screaming for an hour. I listen. I watched Cost of Living twice. I can't watch it a third time. I don't know. You might have to. I might not. Um, but you know, her point in that episode is that you know, again, rules for their own sake are restrictions. At one point, she makes the point that. Um, in, part of the business is that, of the episode is that, you know, Troy is trying to convince Worf and Alexander kind, kind of draw up a contract of their, you know, household responsibilities and things. Yeah. And Luoxana says, well, you know, of course, if you don't trust him, he's not going to grow into someone trustworthy. You know, he's – you know, Deanna is going of the opinion that without structure and rules, he's not going to grow in the right direction. But – um you know, Luoxana seems to think that, you know, she's a bit more Rousseauian that, you know, than Deanna is certainly, but she seems to believe that if you give a child a good environment, you know, he'll naturally, you know, flourish. It's almost uh what is that? Like that kind of school. Montessori is that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that that's probably what that is. Yeah, I know I agree with you, and I think that, you know, well, let's I mean, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about Dark Page, which was really does retcon her, yeah. her backstory and her character to a large degree. I mean, there were a lot completely unintentional but I picked up a lot of lines that, knowing from Dark Page, had a lot more resonance. I mean, there's one point when she says to Deanna, oh, you're my only one, you know. Yeah. You know, she, in half a life. I mean, even even her nickname for Deanna, Little, Little one, one, takes on some interesting resonances now that you know this. As you opposed know, to the big one, yeah. it's You know, it's funny because I rewatched Dark Page, you know, a few days ago, and uh, I, I we had discussions about this when we talked about Dark Page about how you know this probably you know this does sort of like make sense and I think that watching Dark Page and then watching a couple other episodes it really did sort of crystallize for me that it 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 does work I think it yeah. really does I mean I think that it, to a large degree this was an episode that really understood the character of yeah. Loxana and really understood you know I think it understood more than that that this was something that was a profound loss for her and she just didn't want to deal with it. Um, but also she was able to – I think it made her a stronger person in a certain sense because she was really – that was maybe the that was maybe the point in her life when she realized that she didn't want to put up with anyone's shit. Yeah, I was going to say in, in a way um, she does have a very seize the moment attitude because, you know, she's – you know – one your, of the th- your life can irrevocably change in, a, in, a, well, in an instant. She lost both her daughter and her husband. You know, she's not well, at the same time. No, should, no, we should make clear. <laughs> no, but of course, but I mean, those are two people that she loved dearly who were just gone. You know, and you know, and frankly, the, the guy from Half a Life is. You know, even though they knew each other for a short time, that was an extraordinarily profound. You know, week in Malaxana's life. Yeah. Um. 
And, you know, one of the things that I admired about Cost of Living is actually the, you know, the Luoxana Alexander makes a little more of sense because the two of them are in a lot of pain and kind of aren't really in positions to show it, you know, anytime Alexander expresses, you know, how he hates his father, you know, he wishes his mother were, you know, he's discouraged away from that, you know, and... Well, I think, it, you know, what it, what that really makes me realize is that Loaxana, to a large degree, is a character that understands the pain of, like, being isolated and alone. Yeah. And, and doesn't, and she, you know, if you look at who she latches on to in these episodes, you know, she's kind of latching on to Alexander because he's, I mean, he's obviously fucked up. I mean, <laughs> you know, like. I mean, yeah, we, 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 we can't forget that Loaxana is psychic and, you know, somebody's loneliness too. is going to be very obvious to her the second she sees that. That's also very true. I mean, I think that, you you know, she kind of she makes fun of Worf, but I think Worf is someone who obviously sets himself yeah. apart, and I think Worf is a little lonely sometimes. And then, of course, Alexander Worf's son is also very lonely, and yeah. I think because Worf, to a lot, to a large degree, is someone who can't engage with his son because he doesn't understand people himself. Yeah, I mean, um, I, you know, going with you know Luoxana's status as somebody who ruffles people. I mean, she is trying to ruffle Worf. She doesn't really have a sincere moment like she does, for example, with Odo. Or, you know, certainly as she does with Deanna. But because Worf is the kind of person who, dude, just relax for five minutes. Well, he's a stick in the mud. Yeah! And well, I mean, Loxana would love tweaking someone like that. Yeah! But I think, too, that, that he's a stick in the mud in a different way than, you know, we didn't watch any of the DS9 episodes that had, had Loxana in them again. But, you know, we watched them fairly recently. And so one of the things that always strikes me about, you know, Loxana in those episodes, of course, is that it completely makes sense that she would latch on to Odo. Yeah. Because he's a stick in the mud, but he's a very different stick in the mud than Worf because he wants to engage with people. He wants to be a part of something. Yeah. And he just doesn't know how. Yeah, which is he's probably got a lot sadder. Of, yeah, he has and she a lot latches onto him because he's lonely. Yeah, he's a lot of barriers, a lot of anxieties. I mean, you know, even though Worf had some great tragedy in his life, he was raised in a very loving household. You know, a very, you know, he's had, you know, about as good as you can get from you know set tragic beginnings. Yeah, um, Odo has made very well for himself, but you know, he was found by. A bunch of scientists. He does, you know, even though he had that one episode where he and his scientist father, quote unquote, managed to have a heart to heart. Um, he doesn't have a family, right? And and you know, going back to Dark Page, you know, that was the moment when probably, I mean, it, it, maybe that was the first time that Loaxana really felt the pain of a profound loss. Yeah, and you know, she, I think that that feeds into a lot. I mean, we haven't really talked about her relationship with her with her daughter Diana, but. I think that that's also an important yeah. part of it because, you know, number one, Dark Page, you know, makes us realize that she latches on to Deanna and wants Deanna to be happy so yeah. badly because of the loss of Kestra. But also that um, I think more than that, Loaxana doesn't want Deanna to be kind of at loose ends in the same way that yeah. Loaxana is. You know, Loaxana is a person who had a a loving family, who had a husband, who had, you know, children, yeah. a dog, she had everything. And, you know, now she doesn't have that. She knows what she's missing, whereas Deanna maybe doesn't yeah. know. And I think that she wants Deanna to be happy. Now, I of mean, course, she's yeah. a little bit of a meddling mother, but that's yeah. okay to some degree. But I mean, to a degree, and also, you know, it's not, it's not incidental that Deanna is at an age where even allowing for, you know, Federation medical technology, you know, the window isn't quite closing on her having a family, but just as, you know, you know, Luoxana's 
you know, eventual health problems might be on the horizon. You know, that window closing is on Deanna's horizon as well. Well, so. to be to be well, Deanna's half human, so maybe. But to be fair, we don't know it, that much about how Betazoid fertility no, it, works. But it's know. fair. But you know, it, it, to a degree, the you know what this is all metaphorical of in yeah. you know, a real world scenario. You know, that is, it is at a point when you know, you know. Deanna is, you know, if she's going to make, you know, start to meet somebody and have a family and, you know, do that, she should start at least thinking about it. You know, she, it's just it's that time in her life. And, you know, Luoxana finds it very important that Deanna experience it. Now, I said, you know, a difference between second wave and third wave feminism. Third wave feminism was a lot about addressing some of the you know, cracks by, you know, second wave feminism, you know, in a lot of ways, for example, it was, you know, third wave critiqued uh, second wave as being for, you know, white women of a certain social class, you know, for example, you know, given that it was focusing on a career, for example, um, and things like that, Um, focusing on education in a way which, in ways which were more available to women of certain social classes and not addressing the inequalities that would prevent, you know, women of color from... Well, I was about to say, I mean, yeah, I mean, that that's a very clear indication that, that I think, you know, a criticism of that kind of feminism is that it does really, it doesn't really engage with anything but, you know, white women yeah. that, that have at least some privilege. And there was also, there is was also a degree to which uh, it was felt that, you know, saying, well, women must get a job in order to, you know, be fully, you know, empowered is just as restrictive as saying, you know, well, women can't have a job and, you know, they must stay in the... Right, uh, right. It's still mandating one. So third wave, you know, goes toward more towards personal choice. And so Deanna's saying, you know, look, no, I don't want to form a family. These people are my family. This is my choice I've made for life and I'm happy. You know, that is a very third wave attitude you know yeah so you know yes i think in some ways you know loxana is intended to be a little old-fashioned in some ways yeah i think so or more traditional let's say well yeah because i think you know talking a lot about feminism i mean let's borrow something from from sort of queer theory you know sort of that um Mm. you know a lot there there are there are criticisms of uh, 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 the 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 liberation of 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 queer people in in the Western world, especially, is being about getting the right to get married and yes. the right to go off and kill people. Yeah, and you know, yeah, you could you could argue both ways, but I think that there is a there is a degree to which, uh, you know, back in the sixties and seventies and 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 maybe even eighties and the, the worst of the AIDS crisis that, um there was an understanding that that queer people had to rely on each other and they were sort of creating their own uh, 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 parallel societies in a way because they weren't a part of the larger society. And now, of course, it's all been subsumed into, uh, you know, sort of a, I mean, this word is overused, but a a heteronormative attitude surrounding surrounding queer sexuality and and, and queer lifestyles and how queer people like live in love, frankly. You know, it was funny. I, I, I saw this article. It was about... Somebody who made it, it was an artist, artsy coloring book, but it was uh, basically porn. Like this guy, you know, the drawings were all of like essentially gay group sex and it was interspersed with lyrics from songs and, you know, about like loneliness and heartbreak. And so the theme of this was about somebody, you know, doing all of these, you know, crazy sex in order to deal with, you know, a relationship or something like that. Um, well, I mean, I and think- the, well, the, the comments on the piece 
a lot of them were negative. None of the negative comments were from straight dudes. They were all from gay dudes who were like, well, I don't think it's terrible to show us as promiscuous and all of that. And that's horrible, which is weird because it's an, you know, internalizing a monogamous view of sexuality yes. as good. Yes. And. But also, I think to a large degree, I mean, not to go too far down a field, not that we've ever done that before, well, but, you know, I think that you could really make the argument that one of the reasons why. Uh, uh, same-sex marriage was latched onto and, and, and became such a success so relatively quickly is because it does erase sexuality from the equation. I mean, when you <clears> think of a married couple, you don't really think of them fucking. Yeah. And especially, especially that same-sex couples can't produce offspring. You know, the only time that anybody really even considers the sexuality of a married couple is when they announce that they're going to have a kid and that's never going to happen for a same sex couple. Yeah. So, so they're there in a sense, there is no sexuality involved whatsoever. Uh, and so I think that's probably a large reason why it became so, so successful so quickly. Hmm. Um, not to say that, that not all straight people feel that way, but you know, I think that, you know, as a gay man who was 35 years old, who, who came of age in the nineties, like there, I definitely have had straight friends that I can tell are still uncom- my age, you know, that are still uncomfortable with the idea of gay sexuality. Yeah. So, you know, no, I, I, know, know. I don't know how this relates to Lowell's on a Troy, but, <laughs> well, but I think in, we, we kind of talked about that in terms of her being old fashioned. And, and so, I mean, but I mean, I also think that, you know, cause one of the th- interesting things in, I, I really liked how cost of living, you know, Luoxana's plot mirrors Havens in that she's marrying somebody that she's not really compatible with and, you know, she doesn't really, you know, just out of loneliness. And she's basically in, – in Haven, she argues against arranged marriage. You know, one yeah. should – you know, as a good Betazoid, you know, Luoxana thinks that, you know, you should marry somebody that you think is, you know, you are intellectually stimulated by and, you know, who – you're sexually passionate with and you, you know, who you love and want to be with, you know, and she's just marrying somebody to marry somebody in, in cost of living. And, you know, I would, you know, it, it, that episode does make it clear that Luoxana has forgotten her own lessons and it's her, you know, kind of getting control back of herself. You know, she had a momentary lapse, you know, out of yeah. loneliness. But Well, I also think it's interesting that, you know, the next time we see her after Cost of Living is Dark Page yeah. when she has thrown herself into her work again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that is a way for her to, to re-engage with the world and to feel useful. And yeah. Even, you know, she... And, yeah. But I think, you know, I think to a degree she's not interested in the image or the idea of family, you know. It's not like she, you know, Luoxana doesn't necessarily want for Deanna the White House and the picket fence and the, you know, the 2.5 kids as much as she wants, you know, Deanna to experience the love, you know, of, of a husband that, you know, she shares a life with to, you know, wa- be able to watch children grow up, you know, to have – you know, the security of family, you know, people that you love to surround yourself with. That's what she wants. And so, you know, I would say, yeah, it it, it, it does get into – I mean it's feminist in the sense that, you know, Luoxana would demand – ultimately demands an equal partner for herself and for Deanna. Yeah. Rather than, yeah. you know, she's not interested in – you know, Deanna getting married so that way she'll be protected, you know, or taken care of or provided for, you know. She knows that Deanna can do all of that for herself, you know. She knows that she's not gonna, you know, be out in the street ever, you know, but... 
But I, you know, but I think that, that, you know, maybe to wrap this conversation up also that one of the things that I think is most interesting about, about La Waxana Troy is that the show doesn't shy away from uh, the fact that I don't think she's ever really fully engaged with the psychic trauma or the mental trauma of losing her, her daughter so tragically and losing her husband. And so, you know, Deanna being a psychotherapist, you yeah. know, we've had our problems with how the show and how Star Trek in general treats psychotherapy sometimes, but we've always liked, and that, you know, Deanna is frankly another character that I, that I think gets uh, uh, not a fair shake for most people. Yeah. You know, she's a punchline in the same way that Loaxana is a punchline. I mean, and- it's unfortunate in, uh, in Menage Troy, for example, I mean, Luwaxana is great in that. She totally you know, knows how to play just about everybody. She's great. Deanna doesn't do anything. Right. She's just kind of there. You right. Know? But I think that, that you know, there, there are some, some ways in which, you know, Luwaxana is not a perfect character, obviously, because, of course, she is a little bit more aggressive than she mm. needs to be sometimes. And then I also think that she's someone who probably doesn't fully engage you know, I don't think she's someone who examines herself very often, frankly, and, and sort of. I don't. I would not. Yeah. I would not consider her someone to be self. Someone who's self actualized. Well, you know? because she's too scared to. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. You know, I I I would say anytime she. You know, there there's that in half a life at one point. You know, she's crying about something, and she's saying, "Oh my god, I don't. I never cry. Like I don't do that." You know, and you know, saying, "Well, you did when you know father died," and obviously we know when. Uh, her other daughter died, you know, she cried a lot, you know. But don't forget, Dark Page, we we get the revelation that she's been keeping a, a diary or a journal for, for decades. And she literally erased yeah. all of the journals from the time period that Kestra was alive. Yeah, she's, you know, she's, she's, she is someone who doesn't want to engage with pain. She wants to run from she's it. She's repressed a lot. Yeah. And of course, as in Dark Page, it turns out that, that it's it's harming her. Yeah. But Dark Page is very literally about the consequences of repression, you know? Yeah. And yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, she's a person. It's, it's interesting because in a lot of times she, it's, she mentions and people say this about her that she values honesty very much. And, you know, she doesn't believe in lying to people or to herself. And, and yet that's what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's a complicated character. And, and I, I guess I like that about it. No, I like it too. And I, you know, I think that, that I hope that this conversation has, I don't know, made you go out and, and want to rewatch some Lovox on a Troy episode. For example, Cost of Living. No one should ever rewatch Cost of Living. I but, did. And I think that we'll do this again. I think that, that it's an interesting way to sort of talk about the show and the franchise a little differently, not on an episode by episode yeah. basis, but, you know, some recurring characters that. Well, if you have another character that you think you would like us to talk about, you know, let I us know. I think I would like to talk about Jordy at some point. Because I think that's a character that a lot more people would dislike if he wasn't a man. Interesting. Because, I mean, frankly, I think that a lot of the dislike of Loex on Troy and, 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 and Deanna, for that matter, are you know, unconscious or conscious misogyny. Yeah, I, I think that's possible. You know, I, I would go further to say that, you know, as you said, you know, Loaxana is in some bad episodes. Part of it might just be that they don't think she deserves to be in a good one. And, you know, yeah, a, as... Sure. I, I would say it's less that they, you know, are underwriting her and more that here's a good character in some really shitty plots. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this second patron special for the month of February 2016. Uh, We will be back at you with another one in March, of course, for all of our loyal patrons that give us $5 a month or more. That's it.
I don't know what we're going to do next month, but we'll figure it out. Oh, I know what we're going to do next month. What are we going to do? Well, if I told you, then I would end up telling everybody else, and they would be like, oh, that's not a surprise. I don't care anymore. So, you know, and then they would all commit ritual suicide, and it would be so sad. Oh, God. Bringing it back around. Exactly. That's what we like to do on. It's called continuity. All right. Well, uh, you know, listen to us every week, of course, as usual. And uh, we'll see you next month for another patron special. 